This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn. And we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy! As Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hello there. I'm Diamond. When have you got any idea how much trouble a private detective can get into sometimes? Well, if you happen to have an office at Broadway and 53rd Street and the sign painted on your door reads Diamond Detective Agency... You're a setup for more trouble than a guy who goes bear hunting with a switch. I know, because I've got that office and the sign painted on the door. Sure, I've got a lot of idle time, and I use it up sitting around with my feet on the desk, waiting. But idle time can be as dangerous as a rattlesnake taking a sun bath. It's just the preliminary, the lull before the storm. You might wait an hour, a day, or maybe even a week. But the quiet minutes keep multiplying, and sooner or later, things come to a head. Like one day last week. I'd been working on an extra long lull that didn't look like it was going anywhere. But in another part of town, a union meeting was taking place. It was going to keep me jumping around like a hungry flea at a dog show. I wanted to talk to you men. It's time that we did something. Laborers' Assistance League is already functioning in a great number of factories in this city. And it's getting a stronger foothold all across the country. It continues to expand and gain power because it operates best where there's growing unrest and discontent within the factories. Now, they cause trouble and make it look like the union's not doing a good job for the worker. I know for a fact that four or five men can sit in on a union meeting and cause enough trouble to make it look like the whole union is wrong. Now, this union is getting along quiet. He's really out to make trouble tonight. Yeah, if he keeps it up, this is going to be a tough union to crack. He won't keep it up. We're going to take care of it. Oh, what good will that do? His brother Phil will be in from California next week. We can shut his brother up, too. Are you sure he planned this thing with his brother? Yeah. When he gets in from California, he's bringing enough information to put us out of business. Well, that just gives us a week. He's talked too long. Let's break this meeting up. He's doing just that. Yeah? Well, how do we know you're not talking through your hat? Well, now, look, you all know me. I gripe as much as the next guy. But I know for a fact that this league is not only working like that all over the country, 
But now it's beginning to move in on our factories and our unions. Yeah, but how do we know it's such a bad thing? There are a bunch of racketeers. And if you don't believe me, you come to this meeting next week and I'll give you the proof you want. I don't know. Well, I guess you're right. He promised them proof in a week and that's what his brother gets in. Don't worry about it. When he gets the package, he won't be able to give anybody anything. the dinner dishes, will you? Oh, sure, honey. Here, Mama, let me wash them. You talk to Tom for a minute. He's going to another meeting tonight. Oh, meetings, meetings. Always meetings. Oh, Tom, you're working too hard. No, don't worry, Mama. Phil will be home tomorrow. You help me. Oh, this is not a good business, Tom. The phone call, the threats. Come on, Tom, tell Mama. I, I, I can't, Mama. It'll all be over soon. Now, come on. We'll help Marge. I told you to go sit down and relax. <laughs> you sound like I was getting to be an old lady. You take the dish towel, and we'll both do them, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your wife thinks I'm getting too old to wash dishes. Just you wait until she has a daughter-in-law. I think Mama's hinting. <laughs> Mama, shame on you. You give us the time to get the son first, and there's plenty of time for a daughter-in-law. Well, I had you and Phil by the time I was 18. Marge is 22, and you've been married over a year now. <laughs> Mama, if you're so set on me raising a family, why don't you talk it over with Marge? Maybe you two can think up something. We'll let you know. Well, you do that, will you? <laughs> you better hurry up, Tom. You'll be late for the meeting. All right, Mama. Oh, I'll get it. No, 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 no. You say goodbye to your lovely wife. Why, thank you, Mama. You know, before your father died, I only had time to raise two screaming roughnecks, but now... I plan to be the grandmother of at least five more. <laughs> How about it, honey? Think we ought to make Mama happy? This is a conspiracy. <laughs> Who do you think's going to get left with all the work? Uh, maybe just three, then. Huh? Silly. I love big families. Oh, I thought so. <laughs> Smooching when you ought to be on your way to the meeting. Can't a guy even smooch with his own wife? <laughs> Who was at the door, Mama? Oh, the mailman. He left our special delivery package for you, Tom. It's in the living room. For me? Yeah. Must be from Philip. It's from California. Oh, he must be sending some stuff on ahead. Well, why don't you open it, Mama? Maybe it's something for you, too. Oh, the women have dishes to wash. It's addressed to you. If you don't want to open it now, so leave it till tomorrow. Now, go on. Get out of my kitchen. You know go. you're sounding more like a mother-in-law every day. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'll open it. <laughs> you know, maybe it'd make you happier if you knew that Marge and I decided on five kids. Children are not kids. Kids are goats. Well, you never know. Tom, a John Wagner called you earlier. A Wagner? What do you want? He didn't say. Hmm. Who's the package from? Oh, it's from Phil, all right. I know it's a surprise, because he sent it to me at the shop first, and then they sent it on here. wonder why I didn't get it at the shop. Well, what is it? Just a second, Mama. Wrapped up pretty tight. Oh, it's sure heavy. <laughs> Diamond Detective Agency, murder soft, cheap. We eliminate the middleman. Oh, by George, that was a good one. Is this Lieutenant Levinson, the homicide kingpin? Yeah. Rick, get down here, will you? What's up, lover? Something pretty nasty. Well, tell Otis to stop leaving his bubble gum under the seats. No kidding, Rick. This is something that you want to know about. Well, stop sounding like an auctioneer at a mortuary and tell me what it is. You know the Waxmans? Mama Waxman? Yeah. Sure, I had dinner over there last week. Took Helen. What's happened, Walt? 
Last night, someone sent Tom Waxman a box with a bomb in it. What? I knew you were a friend of the family, and I've got to talk with you. Come down here, will you? You know it. I closed the office and grabbed a cab for Walt's precinct. All the way over, I kept thinking about Mama Waxman and her two sons. I'd known the whole family when I used to be on the force. Tom, who used to sing first tenor at the synagogue, had gotten hit in the throat with a baseball. And Catter Weinberg asked me to take over for him, so I sang that day in Tom's place. Mama Waxman heard me and asked me over later for the best dinner I'd ever eaten. We've been friends ever since. The cab dropped me off at the station, and I went in fast. Sergeant Otis was sitting at his desk reading the police gazette. Hello, Otis. Stop panting. They're just pictures. Oh, it's the comic gumshoe. Go on in, Diamond. The lieutenant expects you. Well, thanks, Sergeant. Oh, by the way, when are you going to get a haircut? You're beginning to look like Rasputin with a Tony. Uh... Hello, Walt. Sit down. I got a real headache. How much damage did the bomb do? Plenty. Killed Tom and put his wife and mother in the hospital. Mama Waxman's pretty bad. Oh, that's awful. Any line on the killer? Yeah, that's why I got this headache. We're uh, holding Phil Waxman, Tom's brother. Holding Phil? Are you crazy? Those two kids were inseparable. Tom's wife said that the box the bomb came in was from Phil. She heard Tom say so before he opened it. Well, she could have been mistaken. Someone could have copied Phil's handwriting. The story's got more holes in it than a fishnet. The package was sent from California, Rick. That's where Phil was. He got in this morning and we picked him up at the train. Uh, what does he say? I thought at first he was going to say plenty, but then some guy comes in and says that he's his lawyer. After the guy left, Phil shut up like a clam. He denies the crime, doesn't he? Oh, sure, but that's all. Can't get anything else out of him. Who was this guy who claimed to be his lawyer? I got it right here. Name is John Wagner. Ah, uh, you check on him? Yeah, he's a lawyer, all right. But we can't find an address on him. Moved his offices about three weeks ago. Can I uh, talk to Phil? Won't do you any good. But if you want to have Otis take you over to the tombs. I won't have to hold Otis's hand, will I? Oh, go on. Get out of here. There's somebody to see you, Waxman. All right, Diamonds. You got five minutes. How are you going to keep track, Otis? On my fingers. Well, that'll only get you up to 13. I'll scream if I need you. Uh... How are you, Phil? You're in on a tough rap. Yeah. You want to tell me about it? I've told the police everything I'm going to. Who was the lawyer who came in to see you? Just a lawyer. John Wagner? Just a lawyer. Look, uh, what were you doing in California? Now, Phil, I know you didn't send that bomb. Why don't you open up and get yourself free? I've said all I'm going to say. Now, get out of here, Diamond. Oh, it's like that, huh? Yeah, it's like that. Oh, come on. Go on, get out. Okay, okay. But don't forget your mother. You don't want to let her down. I'm going over to the hospital and see her now. Hey, Otis, let me out of here. How's my big policeman? Fine, Mama. Did you know that one of my wonderful sons is dead? Did you know that, Richard? Yes, Mama. 
Now, you take it easy or the doctor won't let me stay. They killed my Tom because what he said was the truth. That's why they are bad. Because they don't let people tell the truth. Who, Mama? My boy Phil knows. He will tell everything about them, and then they will be arrested. Sure, Mama, but who does Phil know about? I just saw him, and he won't tell me. Mama. I, I feel so sleepy. I, I, I'm tired. Mama. You'll have to leave now, Mr. Diamond. Is she asleep, nurse? Yes, we gave her an injection before you got here. Oh. Well, then may I see Mrs. Tom Waxman? For a minute, yes. She's in this next room. She isn't as serious as Mrs. Waxman, but she has to rest. I'll give you a minute with her. Marge? Yes? Who is... Rick? Oh, no, no, come on. You've got to help me out. I'm the guy that's supposed to make people laugh. I'm the cornball with a bad line of chatter, remember? I can't help it. I'm sorry, they, they gave me something to make me sleep, and things don't make too much sense. Look, dear, I want to help Mama, and I want to help you, too. But the nurse will only let me stay a minute. The police are holding Phil. I just came from seeing him. Did he tell you anything? Nothing. I made a mistake and told the police that the bomb had arrived in a package from Phil. I didn't think... They can't believe Phil would ever do a thing like that. He was helping Tom. Mama said Phil knows who did it. He doesn't know. He just knows who's behind it. I'm pretty sure I know, too. Who, Marge? Tom's been making speeches against an organization that call themselves the Laborers' Assistance League. I've heard of them. King-size bunco game. Yeah. Phil's been in California. He joined the league and... Found out a lot of things about it. He used to write Tom once a week. Your time's up, Mr. Diamond. You'll have to leave. Uh, just a second. Marge, did Tom tell anybody what his brother was doing? I don't know. There was a man named John Wagner that called Tom all the time. John Wagner? He's a lawyer. Please, Mr. Diamond. Uh, did he tell any of the men who work in the shop with him? Yes, I think so. Mr. Diamond, I'll have to call the doctor. Please, nurse. This may mean another man's life. Marge, who did he tell? Well, I, I can only remember one person, Ralph Pryor. Pryor. Mama used to fix Tom and Ralph dinner after work sometimes, but he, he, he was Tom's closest friend. Okay, Marge. Now, you take it easy, and I'll see what I can do. Please, Rick, find the men who did this. Yes. Well, I'll try. All right, nurse. I shouldn't have let you stay this long. What would I have to do to get you to take care of me? Have an accident. Well, I'll see what I can come up with. Bye. I left the hospital and walked out of the street. One of those sidewalk photographers snapped my picture and handed me a card in the case I wanted to send him two bits for the print. I threw the card away and headed for the factory where Tom had been working. The superintendent took me down and introduced me to the new foreman of the shop. Yeah, pretty rough about Tom. That's an understatement. Tell me, when did you take over Tom's job as foreman? This morning. How long have you worked for this shop? About three years. Why, are you a cop? I might be. 
You know a guy named Ralph Pryor? Sure, that's him right over there about that there turtle. Want me to call him over? No, I think I can make it under my own power. Hey, uh, you Ralph Pryor? Yeah. You knew Tom Waxman pretty well, didn't you? Yeah. Well, don't cry on the machinery. It'll rust. Who are you? What do you want? Name's Diamond. Let's say I'm a friend of the family. Well, good for you. What are you snooping for? I've got an erector set. I just love machinery. Well, don't get too close to this machine or it'll take your arm off. As long as it's not the one I count my money with. How long have you worked here? None of your business. Where were you during the war? Same answer. Well, thanks, Mr. Pryor. You've been grand. Hey, Foreman. Yeah? Did you talk to Pryor? Yeah, he's the quiet type. So how does the mail come in here? From the mail room. Ask a silly question. No, I mean, who brings it in? No special one. Foreman usually sends someone after it. Do you remember a package coming here for Tom yesterday or the day before? No, if there'd been one, Tom would have seen it. He was the foreman then. Where can I find the mail room? Up the hall to head the stairs. Thanks. Sure is too bad about Tom. You said that. Say, didn't I know you all back in Little Rock, Arkansas? No. I'm from Malvern. I just thought I'd ask. I went up and talked to the mailroom clerk, and he was a little more help. There had been a package for Tom. He told me that he'd sent it down along with some other mail, but he couldn't remember who'd picked it up. I was beginning to get warm, and I knew it. So I slipped into a phone booth and put in a fast call to Lieutenant Levinson. Homicide, Sergeant Otis. Otis, let me talk with the lieutenant. Oh, it's you, Diamond. Why don't you stop playing like a detective? Why don't you buy the lieutenant a necktie for his birthday, a fuzzy green one? You think he'd like that? Sure, and if the clerk hasn't ever seen a fuzzy green one before, just show him your tongue. Now put the lieutenant on. Lieutenant Levinson. What? Did you find out anything about that bomb? Oh, yeah, Rick. It was dynamite. Highest grade. But I don't see how it could come all the way from California through the mails without the caps blowing the whole thing up. Uh, neither do I. Do me a favor, will you? Pick up a Ralph Pryor. He works at the same shop that Tom Waxman did. What can I hold him on? Just picking him up. Pick him up for questioning. Since when do you need an excuse? Now, you wait a minute. If you know something about this I've case, just I'll... got a hunch. Pick the guy up and I'll be down in a little while and tell you all about it. I hung up on Walt just as he was getting around to the words you could censor and headed back to the factory. I waited around outside for about ten minutes and then, sure enough, a prowl car pulled up and two boys in blue got out and went in. In a couple of minutes, they came back outside, only this time they had company. Ralph Pryor. I waited until they'd pulled away, then I hailed a cab and headed to the 5th Precinct myself. Oh. Where have you been? Snooping, Walt. I just saw your boys pick up Pry at the factory. Thanks. Now, would you kindly tell me what you wanted him picked up for? Oh, it's a long shot, Walt. I found out he knew what Tom's brother was doing in California. What was he doing? Getting some information on a racket that's been trying to muscle in on Tom's local union. In California? Yeah, they're operating all over the country. You've heard of them. Labor's Assistance League. Oh, those leeches. Well, I still don't see what this has got to do with Pryor. Walt, I think that bomb was sent from the factory here in New York. I found out a little while ago that in order to get hold of that package, the killer would have to be working in Tom's shop. You think Pryor did it? I'll tell you better when I see if anyone comes down to get him out. Well? Well, what? Well, what are we going to do? Sit here and look at each other? Well, that's a pretty ghastly thought. How about a fast game of canasta? Oh, you know, it's a lousy two-handed game. Well, I'm just trying to help. We could play jacks, but twosies throw me. Yeah, what is it, Otis? Uh, the lawyer 
John Wagner's out here. He says he wants to see the guy we just picked up. Fast word. Ralph Pryor? Yeah. He says he represents some kind of laborers' assistance league or something. Said that Pryor's a member. All right. Let him see him. Okay, Lieutenant. John Wagner, that lawyer who came in to see Phil Waxman this morning, is back again, Rick. It's time to see Pryor. Yeah? (laughs) Well, what are you looking so smug about? Looks like the hunch is going to pay off. You mean this lawyer is tied in with the killing? Well, I'm not sure, but I think so. Tom Waxman was making speeches against the Assistance League. Now a lawyer from the League shows up to help the only guy who knew what Tom was up to and worked in the same shop with him. Now I suppose you want me to hold the lawyer. No, why? How do I know? That's what I asked you. What? Am I supposed to know everything? Lock him up if you want to. What for? He's not guilty. How do you know he's not guilty? Because you had me pick up Ralph Pryor. Well, let him go, too. Let him go where? With his lawyer. I thought you wanted me to lock up the lawyer. Well, that was your idea. What was? Locking up the lawyer. I don't want to lock up the lawyer. Well, let him go. He's not in. Pryor is. Well, let him go. Who? Phil Waxman. How did he get in here? I don't know. You put him in. Of course I put him in. Now, why should I let him out? I don't know. I ask you. Ask me what? Why you put him in. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Otis. Empty the jails and throw this idiot out of my office. Thanks, Walt. Bye. I went out in the squad room and spotted the lawyer just as Otis started back into Walt's office with a glass of bicarbonate. He was a little guy, dressed neatly in a Hamburg, blue suit, and spats. I made sure that he was my man, and I went out in front of the precinct to wait. I hung around for about half an hour until he finally came out, and then I started the tale. He grabbed a cab, and so did I. We went across town, and I watched him as he got out and went into a big building on 38th Street. I went in after him. We rode the same elevator to the 8th floor. We both got out. I made like I was looking for a room number, and he went in the door with a sign on it reading Continental Shipping, offices in New York, California, and London. I got close to the door and could hear a phone being dialed. I'd have given my eye teeth, complete with the fillings, to have heard what the conversation was about. Yes, I just went down to see him. He'll be released in an hour. I've got him passage on the tramp steamer. When they release him, he'll meet me at a place I picked and I'll give him the ticket. I'll tell him the police are up to something and he'll have to get out of the country. Now, don't worry about that. He'll never get there. The captain of the ship is being paid to see that he doesn't. All right. Yes, everything is going as well as can be expected. Oh, one more thing. A friend of Waxman's, a private detective, is following me. One of our men took his picture coming out of the hospital after seeing Waxman's mother. Yes, well, don't worry about it. I can take care of him when the time comes. All right, goodbye. I waited until he came out of the building and the hunt was on again. I grabbed another cab and it took my last three bucks chasing him to a little waterfront dive on Canal Street. I followed him in and watched him sit down in a booth at the back of the room. I made like an unhealthy patron and took a table near the door where I could watch. An hour later, a guy walked in and headed for the lawyer's booth. He was Ralph Pryor. He talked with the lawyer for a minute, then took an envelope from him and got up. He went out and I went after him. If I was right, he was my killer. The lawyer could wait. Uh, Ralph, I want to talk to you. I thought I told you to stop snooping. Bad right here. Let's step in this alley. Oh, what? Get in the alley. Hey, what do you think? You're shoving around? You're just full of questions. You know, mister, you're not so big that you can't end up with a busted head. Now, let me go. I guess you better understand something. Oh. Get the point? Oh, you dirty... Still want to play, huh? Oh. 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 Maybe you haven't guessed it, but I'm mad. 
I'm going to kick you from one end of this alley to the other until you tell me who sent that bomb to Tom Waxman. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. The state might slap my wrist, but I don't like losing good friends. Oh, my nose. You should see Mama Waxman. She looks a lot worse, but she's got a lot more troubles. She lost a son. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can't take any more. Sure you can. Sure. Just think about something else. Tom Waxman, maybe, or his wife and mother. Want to tell me? Okay. No. picked up a dummy box sent from California to the factory and you planted a bomb in it. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because Brother Phil had evidence enough to smear the league? You know a lot, don't you? Sure, Tom was going to present the evidence in front of his union. And the league sent an empty box from California addressed with Phil's forged handwriting. And I went up to the mailroom and picked up the box and put the bomb in it and sent it to Tom's house. You do it for the league? Yeah, I did it for them. Who's the boss of the league? Uh, well, I... Come on, come on. All right. It's... Oh. Now you'll never know. Wow. Mr. John Wagner, complete with Derringer. I hope you'll notice the error of his ways, Mr. Diamond. He talked too much. You've got a funny way of keeping clients out of trouble. I'm glad you noticed. I'm going to do the same for you. Won't you need a retainer? No, this one's on the house, so to speak. I think you're going to get one anyway. That cop at the end of the alley with a riot gun doesn't look like he's hunting gophers. That is a very stale attempt at throwing me off guard. Anyone that would be stupid enough to try a worn-out stunt like that deserves to die. You'll make it easy for me. Okay, suit yourself. Fire when ready, Gridley. What do you think? <laughs> Thanks, Walt. You arrived in the nick. Nick Pick, a big azunt. Why can't you get mixed up with a wife beating or something? The taxpayers are getting tired of seeing their streets cluttered up with a lot of bodies. Why don't you yell at me? How did you find me? I knew something was up, so when Ralph Pryor was released, I tailed him. I saw you tailing Pryor, I saw the lawyer tailing you, so I tailed the lawyer. Well, if you'd had an eight-piece band, you'd have had a parade. Oh, nuts. Oh, what's the matter, Walt? You, you'd have had to shoot him. He was going to kill me. Oh, I'm not worried about that. Well, what is it? I forgot to bring my bicarbonate along. Oh. Well, the wagon came and created Pryor and the lawyer off to the morgue. When we got back to the station, Walt put in a call to the feds and told them to check the uh, Labor's Assistance League in California and pick up the guys who sent the package through the mails. Using the mails like that can be a tough rap. And three weeks later, the government closed in. They picked up the big wheel and threw the whole bunch away for 10 to 20. Tom's brother, Phil, was released, and he went in front of Tom's union and gave them the evidence he'd collected while he was with the league. Needless to say, the league wasn't represented that night or any night after that. About three weeks after Mama Waxman came home from the hospital, she invited me over for one of her famous dinners. I brought Helen, and her butler, Francis, came along to help with the serving. Hi, oh, Mama, I'm stuffed. Well, Richard, you didn't finish up the cheesecake. Can't make it, honey. I can't move. Oh, the Helen's a good girl. She ate everything in front of her. You know what? You two should get married. <laughs> Her appetite is the best argument against getting married I can think of. Keep working on him, Mama. All right. Now, let's all go into the front room. If I know my big policeman, he still likes to stretch out on the couch. Huh? You are so right. <laughs> Here, let me help you, Mama. Oh, thank you, Richard. Uh, where's Francis? Oh, he's in making some coffee. Oh, he's been such a help. 
Before the accident, it was nothing to serve supper. You sit right here, honey. All right. Thank you. I won't have to eat another thing for a week. Here's the coffee, Mrs. Waxman. Uh, Francis, you must call me Mama, like the rest. Oh, yes, ma'am. Mama. Did you have enough to eat also, Francis? It was simply wonderful. You know, someday if Miss Asher doesn't mind, I'd like to stop by and... Well, to swap recipes, as it were. Well, I think that would be wonderful, Francis. Why don't you do that? <laughs> I'll give you some fine ones, Francis. Where's Phil tonight, Mama? He had to go to our union meeting. He's going to work in Tom's shop. He also asked me to thank you for singing at the funeral. Glad to do it, Mama. Richard, we always wondered where you learned to sing in Yiddish. Well, I used to pound a beat on the Lower East Side. Oh, well, would you do me a big favor, Richard? Sure, dear. I'm feeling a little sad about my boy tonight. Would you sing something for me? Uh, this song he liked you to sing. Oh, huh? I'm a little full of dinner, Mama. Please, oh, really. oh, yes, sir. Please, Mr. Diamond. Well, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> Mimi, Mimi. A Yiddish medal. Daf a Yiddish boy. Pretty good for a shake, so, Mama. Oh, fine. Du schöne Mädel, in es darf sein, What does it mean? Don't tell her, Mama. Well, in the toy is geschwiben, in es is du A Yiddish Mädel, darf a Yiddish boy. Oh, that was wonderful, Richard. You know you would make a fine canter. Well, thank you, Mama. How did you like it, Francis? What? Francis. What did he say, Mama? <laughs> he said as a canter, you would make a fine dishwasher. <laughs> I've just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Hey, Eddie. Eddie, you mind if I butt in for a minute? Not at all, Dick. Thanks. I just wanted to tell the people that next week our show is going to be on at a different time and a different day. The day will be Saturdays instead of Sundays. And would you please look in your newspapers for the time? Thanks, Dick. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Richard Diamond will come to you next Saturday at a new time. Be sure to check your newspaper for the hour. This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.
Here's Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. Hello there. My name's Diamond. If you spotted me on the street, you'd probably figure me for an average working man. But you'd be wrong. I fit the description all right because I break my back six days a week to keep my piggy bank nice and stuffed. But my occupation puts me in a class by myself. I'm a private, honey, nothing in this world but detective. You probably say, so what? The average working man comes under the heading of a lot of different jobs. And you'd be right on that count. But there's one little thing that puts me in the class all by myself. Trouble. Mr. and Mrs. Average John Doe work six days a week to keep clear of it. I put in the same time playing footsies with it. It's a kind of silent partner with references dating all the way back to the year one. People get in trouble every second, and I count on a small percentage to come to me to get them out of it. The rest? Odds and good advertising. As an example, take the other night in a little bistro over on 48th Street. A couple of guys sitting at a back table were getting set for a special brand of trouble. The big kind that you find under the heading of murder. Oh, Bert, old boy, this is turning out to be a wonderful evening. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, George. Oh, yes. Say, who's a blonde over there in the booth? Hmm? Well, I've never seen her before, but... She's cute. Yeah, she's sure. Good evening, baby. Oh, George, George, and take it what? easy. Maybe she's waiting for someone. Oh, don't be silly. Look, she's smiling. <laughs> Let's ask her over to the table. Well, huh? I still think she's waiting for someone. If you want to take the chance, go ahead. You ask her. All right, I will. <laughs> I uh, said good evening. Good evening. Uh, my friend and I noticed you were sitting alone and... Uh, we wondered if you'd join us. Oh, I don't believe I can. You see... Oh, please. Just for a few drinks? No, really. Thank you just the same. Well, if you say so, but I'll be unhappy for the rest of the evening. Hi, baby. Tony. I'm sorry I took so long, but... Hey, who's this guy? Now, Tony. I said, who's the guy? Uh, if you'll excuse me. No, you wait a minute. Uh, George, come on. I think we'd better leave. This guy a friend of yours? Yes, he is. Was this guy making a pitch, man? No, he only asked me over for a drink. Oh, he did, huh? Now, wait a minute, pal. Please, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. So you made a mistake. Well, I don't like jokers that try and pick up my girl. Hey, wait a minute. You didn't have to slug him. Maybe you'd like to do something about it. Maybe I would. Well. Time Tony ended up on the short end of a fight in a long time. All right, George. Yes, I think I cut my head. Yeah, you're bleeding all over the place. You better get out of here, Mister. I saw the manager duck in the back room. He's probably calling the cops. Here, let me give you a hand, George. Here now, take my hat and wear it over the cut until you get home. I'm getting out here too. You want me to drop you off? Uh, what about your boyfriend? He's still unconscious. He was that way when I met him. You want the lift or not? Yeah, what about you, Bert? Oh, I'll be all right. Now, go on. Let her take you somewhere so you can get cleaned up. I'll grab a cab and head for my place. I'll call you in the morning. But I don't Now, want stop to... arguing. You can't afford a scandal. Well, all right. Come on, honey. Let's go. Well, this... Very nice apartment. You better go get cleaned up. Uh, back to that room. I'll get a couple of drinks. I can sure use a drink. I won't be long. Take your time. 
Yes. Tony, get out of here. Where is that guy? Come on, get out of here. Why, you cheap little... I'll beat it out of you. Let go of me. Take your hands off me. Take your hands off her. I'll kill the both of you. There's a gun in the desk. A gun? All right. I'll wring your little neck. Get out while you can. I'll think of something. Yes. Leave the gun. I'll throw it the river or something. Hmm? Oh, all right. Now go on, beat it. You just killed a man. Yeah, come in. Mr. Diamond. Well, Hennessy, what did you do? Wreck your cab? Nah, it's down in the front. Hey, that's a warm magazine you're reading there. Yeah. Listen to what it says here about women's bathing suits. Huh? 1949 suits allow maximum exposure to sun. Note plunging neckline. <laughs> Note. Who's going to miss it? If it plunged in the lower, it'd wind up at the bends. Yeah. Uh... Mr. Diamond, would you mind shoving it in the drawer? The picture distracts me. Mm, not at all, no. I, I don't blame you, Hennessy. Thanks. Now, what's on your mind? This. A hat? Yeah. Well, I don't think I can do you much good. What did you bring it to me for? I found it in the gutter over in Flatbush. So what? Some guy loses a hat. Don't tell me you want me to find him. No, I, I just got to worrying a little, you see. I, I found this beside you. Oh, a thirty-eight. Well, let's have a look. Take a look at the hat, too. It's got blood all over the inside. Yeah. And initials on the inside. BK. Gun's been fired. You can still smell the powder in the barrel. Why didn't you take this to the police? Oh, I didn't want to get mixed up in it. You see, I got to pick up as many fares as I can. I ain't got nobody to drive my cab for me, and I didn't want to spend the day answering questions down at headquarters. You understand? Well, you'll probably have to anyway. I'll have to notify them. Yeah? Well, I, I thought maybe you could find out who owned the hat and maybe solve the case before you notify him, you see? That way I wouldn't have to spend too much time. I could just tell him I found it and beat it. Well, I can't withhold evidence. It'd take away my license. And if you did, they'd lock you up. Okay, I, I just thought Well, maybe... I can check the hat store before I get to the 5th Precinct. Yeah, well, uh, won't that be a tough job? There's a lot of hat stores, well, you know. Well, this hat's got a label. Besides, when someone finds a bloody hat with a thirty-eight lying next to it, I, I get interested. Particularly when there isn't a corpse to go with it. Yeah. Well, I gotta go, Mr. Diamond. Thanks a lot. You got a free ride anytime you want it. I may take you up on that. So long, Hennessy. Well, there you are. What did I tell you? When you're working with trouble, something always shows up. Sometimes it's just a routine case. A guy knocks off his wife and he comes to you because he suddenly found out that he had that lonely feeling. Or maybe you get a real screwy one. A taxidermist that got tired of stuffing animals and went to work on a neighbor. Or then you get one that gives you the same feeling you get when you pick up a poker hand and the first four cards you look at are all spades. Well, I was holding two cards. A hat with blood on it, a gun that had been fired, and all I needed to fill out the hand was a body. By all rights, I should have taken the evidence right down to my friend, Lieutenant Levinson, at Homicide. But I didn't have anything to do, so I decided to see what kind of pieces I could fit into the puzzle. The label in the hat was from a store on Fifth Avenue. 
It wasn't far from my office, so I walked it. Yes, sir. Something I can do for you? Yeah. Stop munching your sensen and tell me if this hat is from your store. Well, let me see it. These glasses are not telescopes, you know. Yeah. Here. Well, if you're planning to return this merchandise, sir, I can assure you the store will not accept it. You've been bleeding on the sweatband. Look, Rosebud, I just want to know if the hat is from this store. It most certainly is. It's one of our custom models. Who did you sell it to? If you found this hat, we will be glad to return it to its owner. We are not supposed to give out the names of our clients. I have a small badge here that should cut this conversation down to a few words. See? Oh. Now, would you mind telling me to whom did you sell this hat? Well, just because you're a detective, I am not impressed. However, under the circumstances, I'll give you the buyer's name. You're a real sport. I suppose you wear a shoulder holster, too. Or is that bulge your tailor's fault? Come here. I really keep a midget in there. You don't say. Yeah. He spits through the lapel at stupid hat clerks. Oh, really? Now, come on, bright eyes. Who bought the hat? Well, if you'll just hold your horses. That's the new line, if I ever heard one. Come on, Bubbles. Here it is. This hat was sold to a Mr. Bertram Kalmus. We make all his hats for him. Well, bully for you. What's his address? 430 Sutton Place. Now, will that be all, sir? Yes, that will be all, and thank you. You've been a break through the whole ugly mess. I left him watering his gardenia and headed for the residence of one Mr. Bertram Kalmus. The apartment house was about ten blocks away, and with the money I had in my pocket, all taxicabs started looking like iron claws with four wheels. I walked. Yes? How do you mean that? Yes, I don't want any. Oh, and I've got a pretty good sales talk. I never buy anything unless I have a demonstration. My middle name is Semper Paratus. Like the Coast Guard, I'm always prepared. I suppose I could top that, but I'm getting tired of trying to close the door on your foot. What is it you want? I hate to admit it, but I'm looking for Bertram Kalmus. My husband. Good for him. Is he in? No, but he will be any minute. And for the boss. This hat, I believe, is his. What blonde's apartment did it turn up in? It was found in a gutter in Flatbush. Well, Flatbush is a little out of his territory, but the gutter sounds familiar. It's that stain all over it. Blood? Does your husband bleed a lot? Not recently. We've been getting along. Are you from the police? I'm a detective. Oh, come in. Mm, I'd hate to be selling brushes. I'd have slammed the door on your face. Oh, well, then I made an impression. Perhaps. Let's just say you're waiting for a sacrifice to move you to second base. Won't you sit down? Thanks. What happens when I round third? That depends on your batting average, Mr. Diamond, Mrs. Calmus. That's it. Now, getting back to a very dull subject, does this hat belong to your husband? I don't know. It looks like one of his. Has it got any initials in the band? Mm-hmm. BK. When did you find it? I didn't. The cab driver picked it up this morning. And it isn't my husband's blood. He left about a half an hour ago to do some shopping, and he was very bloodless. No cuts on his head? No cuts. He came in around two this morning. He'd been drinking, but he wasn't cut up. Oh, there he is now. I hope he can discuss baseball and the time. Well, I got all the things you wanted in it. Um, Bert, this is Mr. Diamond. He's a detective. Yeah? Well, how are you? Fine, Mr. Calvins. Tell me, is this your hat? My hat? Let me see it. Why, no. No, it isn't. The hat store on Fifth Avenue says it's older to you. Well, I can't help what they say. That's not my hat. Are you sure, darling? 
was found in a gutter. I don't care if they found it on a Yale man in the Harvard Club. It's not mine. Well, I guess I'll have to take your word for it. Uh, wait, wait. Isn't that blood on the hat? Mm, yeah. Well, goodbye, Mrs. Calmus. Mr. Calmus, nice meeting you both. I'll see you to the door. I can do it. I know you can, dear. Coming, Mr. Diamond? Sure. Goodbye. Come back again, Mr. Diamond. Well, goodbye, Mr. Calmus. Where? Where can I call you? What? I can't explain now. Where can I call you in about a half an hour? My office. It's in the book. You'll hear from me, but please, please don't do anything until then. Okay. Half an hour. Then I go to the police with this hat. Was thought so. Why did you deny it? Well, I was out with a pal last night. There was a fight over a girl. I didn't want to mention it in front of my wife. Oh, how did the blood get on the hat? My friend got hit on the head, and I loaned him my hat to cover up the wound. What was it doing in a gutter in Flatbush? I really don't know. My friend left with the girl, and I went right home. Mm. Well, who is this friend of yours? I think something may have happened to him. Well, I called him this morning, and he seemed very nervous about something, and he asked me to come over. I'm in the lobby of this hotel right now. Uh, he's probably just worried about the girl he picked up. As long as the blood on the hat was from a cut on his head, I don't think there's too much to worry about. No, no, Mr. Diamond, I, I think it's more than that. He's my employer, and I know him pretty well. I do wish you'd come over. Well, all right, Mr. Calmus. What's the address? The Whitsitt Hotel on East 54th Street. I'll meet you in the lobby. Don't ask me why I started getting that lousy feeling when all I had was a bloody hat, a gun, and a pretty good explanation for one of the items. But there it was. That jammed up feeling in the pit of my stomach like I just swallowed a whole pineapple. Something was wrong, and I wanted to find out what. So I hurried over the, to the Whitsitt Hotel and met Calmus in the lobby. I'm glad you came, Mr. Diamond. I just put in a call to George's room, and someone else answered. So what? Well, the man asked a lot of questions, like who I was and why I... What did I want with George? And... Oh, I, I take it George is your friend of last night. Yes, George Watkins. He's the president of the firm I work for. Well, let's go up. When someone starts asking questions like that on the phone, it begins to sound like the police have moved in. Come on. Yeah. Oh, hello, Walt. Rick, what are you doing here? Fair question. I'll answer yours if you'll do the same for me. I came up to see a Mr. George Watkins. So did I. Well, what's the matter? Is George in some kind of trouble? Who's this guy? Oh, he's a friend of Watkins. Works for him. Oh, yeah? Well, come on in. George. George, what's going on here? You better let the lieutenant tell you, Bert. I can't think anymore. What's the charge, Walt? Murder. But, hmm? Murder? You got a call from a girl last night who said a man named George Watkins killed someone in her apartment. When we got over there, we found the girl dead, too. Oh, well, you must have the wrong man, Inspector George. Lieutenant. Wouldn't... And I'm sure you think George wouldn't, but he just confessed. George? Yes, Bert, I killed the man. But I, I didn't kill her. The man came in and tried to strangle her. She told me to get the gun in the drawer, and when the man wouldn't let her go, I shot him. That isn't what the girl told us. She said she took this gun home, this guy home after he'd been in a fight, and when they got to her apartment, he made a pass just as her boyfriend came in. Then Watkins shot him and ran out. 
We figure he got excited, and when he had time to think about it, he went back and killed the only other witness. I didn't kill the girl. I never went back there at all. I came straight here. Uh, Walt, Mr. Kalmus here was with him up until the time he left with the girl. Is that right, Mr. Kalmus? Why, yes, sir. Now, there was a previous fight, and Watkins got that cut on his head. Mr. Kalmus loaned him his hat to cover the wound. That's right, sir. And, uh, oh, by the way, Walt, what caliber was the murder weapon? Thirty-eight, but we haven't found the gun yet. Here, check this one with ballistics. How'd you find this? Cab driver named Hennessy brought it into me this morning. Found it lying with a hat. Did you ever see this gun before, Watkins? No, I, I told you I don't own a gun. Walt, what time do you figure he killed the man and the girl? The coroner fixed the time of death about one o'clock this morning. Hmm. How long were you at this girl's apartment, Mr. Watkins? Why, about five minutes before her boyfriend came in. I shot him and left immediately. And you don't remember taking your hat or the gun? What are you getting at, Rick? This is an open and shut case. He admits killing one of them, but he won't admit the other killing because he knows it was premeditated. Oh, just a hunch, Walt, just a hunch. Mr. Watkins, would you mind telling me just what happened after the girl's boyfriend started choking her? Well, I grabbed a gun out of the dresser near the kitchen and I shot him. And the girl told me to get out, that she'd take care of things, so I dropped the gun and ran. Did you hear anything else? Anything unusual? No. But, yes, now that you mention it, I did hear something that had slipped my mind until now. What did you hear? Well, I, I don't know whether I can describe it or not. It uh, sounded like someone had opened a bottle of flat champagne. What are you getting at, Rick? Oh, wait a minute, Walt. When did you hear this noise? Right after I shot the man. I remember wondering if someone hadn't opened a bottle in the kitchen. Is that where the noise came from? Uh, yes, I think so. Mm. All right, if I go over and case the scene, Walt? We've done that. Yeah, but you weren't looking for something. Why don't you come with me, Mr. Calamus? I'd like to talk with you. What's the address, Walt? 16 West 113th Street. Well, now, look, don't worry too much, George. I can handle the business, and in the meantime, I'll do everything to get you off. Thanks, Bert. Now, you wait a minute, Rick. If you think you know something... Walt! Yeah? Bye. Calamus and I went downstairs and took a cab over to 16 West 113th Street. It was a middle-class apartment house in Flatbush. A four-story brownstone. I let Calmus pay the fare, and we went in. I wonder what floor it's on. Well, she'll tell on the mailboxes. Yeah, here it is. Nan Phillips, 206. Well, let's go up. Oh, uh, what do you do for Mr. Watkins? I'm his vice president. That's why I took him out last night. I wanted to interest him in a new account. I just can't imagine him killing anyone, but... I guess people do funny things when they lose their heads. Oh, no. 206. Well, here it is. Yeah? Hello. Oh, no. Good afternoon, Sergeant Otis. What do you want, Diamond? Well, I want to stand out here in the hall and count the hairs in your five o'clock shadow. Now, let us in. The lieutenant said it was all right. Okay, comic. Mr. Calmus, meet Sergeant Otis. How are you? Hello, Sergeant. Otis, make like a policeman and point out the circumstances in this killing, will you? Well, I don't know why I should, Shamus, but if the lieutenant sent you over, I guess I'll have to. Mm. Two bodies was over there by the window, lying pretty close together. Uh-huh. The killer, that Watkins fellow, was standing about here in the center of the room. With his back to the kitchen door? Yeah. He shot them both from about here. Hey, what are you looking for? Oh, I like to get out on my hands and knees. It's cooler. And it won't do you no good to start looking for fancy clues. The guy already confessed. Well, 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 well. Hey, what do you got there? Just a wad. So, you got some wadding from the murder gun. You better give it here. Sure. But hang on to it, Otis, and be sure to give it to the lieutenant. 
Maybe you haven't noticed, but murder guns don't throw this much wadding unless you can kill someone with a blank cartridge. Why? Uh, don't let it throw you. Mr. Calmus, I've got some things to do. Can I drop you somewhere? Well, no thanks. Now that Mr. Watkins can't take care of the office, I'd better go down and check over some things. But I'll keep in touch with you, Mr. Diamond. Uh, you do that. Uh, now, wait a minute, Diamond. Oh, stop trying to figure it out, Otis. You'll snap your wig. I was getting close to something. I wanted to tie the ends together before it caught up with me. I had a big, fat hunch that Watkins had been framed good, and the more I found out, the more it looked like a killer was still loose. The whole setup had been screwy from the first. Why would a guy lose his hat and drop his gun in the same place? Or, if he threw them both away, why wouldn't he burn the hat and throw the gun in the river? Nobody's frightened enough to lay them side by side in the gutter. I learned a lot since this morning, and I was certain of one thing. The killer tried to make it look good, but he was an awful amateur. I knew something else, too. Amateurs can be awfully mean sometimes when you corner them. I put in a call to Walt and told him what I had, and then I asked him to give me half an hour and, and meet me at Mrs. Kalmus's flat. I grabbed another cab, and 20 minutes later, I was sitting on a long couch next to Mrs. Kalmus. It's easy to get that crowded feeling, even on a long couch. You just both sit on the same cushion. Comfy? Oh, yeah. Uh, what kind of perfume is that? My sin. Past or future tense? A rounding second. Mm. It brought you back, Mr. Diamond. Oh, I, uh, I want to ask a couple of questions. Past or future tense? What time did your husband get in last night? I told you, about two o'clock. Why? Do you know if he knows a girl named Nan Phillips? I really don't know. Oh. Well, all right. Just a few more questions, and then we'll get back to that perfume. I'll think ahead. You said you'd been getting along with your husband. Would you mind explaining that? Certainly. I like nice things, and lately he's been buying them for me. Oh. What's your husband's salary? About 15000 a year. Oh, could he afford to buy you these things? Well, he told me he was getting a raise, and he'd gotten a bigger sand. What's this all about? Maybe I'd better tell you. Bert, I didn't hear you. I did. What are you doing with that gun? I'm going to use it. I found Mr. Diamond making passes at my wife, and I shot him. Are you crazy? Don't ask him that. He's allowed to start thinking about it. You can't shoot me and get away with it, Calmus. What are you going to do with your wife? She won't back you up. No. No, I guess she wouldn't. All right, both of you, get up and walk downstairs to my car. Bert, what are you doing? Your husband killed two people last night, Mrs. Kalmus. Now he's going to try and cover because he guessed I knew how it was done. You're not going to kill me, too. Get moving. Bert, please. Go on. Why did you kill anyone, Bert? He wanted to frame his boss. I'll bet when the company checks, they'll find out he's had his hand in the till. They won't find out, Mr. Diamond. With Mr. Watkins' book for murder, I'm next in line for president. I'll be able to fix the book so it will look like he took the money, too. Is that where you got the money for all those things you've been buying for me? You shot the man and the girl from the kitchen with a silencer, didn't you, Bertram? That's right. I knew you were onto something when you discovered that wad from the blank cartridge. I was onto something a long time before that. Yeah? All right. Come on. Over to that gray sedan. And remember, I've still got this gun in my pocket. Ah, uh, you're an amateur, Bertram. Is that right? Sure. I knew you had something to do with it when we got over to the girl's apartment. I didn't know what floor it was on, and you looked in the mailboxes. That's the best way to find an apartment, isn't it? Yeah, but not once at any time did anyone mention the dead girl's name. But you knew it and found it on the mailbox. All right, stop right here. 
Open the door, Jean, and get in first. The front seat. Please. Get in. All right. Now you, Mr. Diamond, you're going to drive. You know, I left my license in my other suit. Stop stalling. I had to do something to stall for just a second because over Bertram's shoulder I spotted a prowl car sliding up to the curb and good old Walt was climbing out. Uh, uh, Bertram, would you mind answering just one question? What is it? The gun that Watkins thought he killed the man with was loaded with blanks, wasn't it? Sure. I killed the guy from the kitchen with a silencer. The whole thing was rigged, huh? The man and the girl were supposed to stage that fight, and Watkins was supposed to shoot the guy with the dummy slug. You said one question. Now get in the car. All right, Thomas, don't move. What? Why, you... That was a close one. You're so right, Walt. Take his gun. I think you'll find it's the one that Watkins fired the branks from. How is he? On his way. Hey, Bertram. I'll go call the wagon. Bertram. Yes? You want to tie the ends together? I paid the girl and the man to stage the fight. I told them I wanted to frame George and blackmail him. So you framed him with a double murder instead. Why? I'd been stealing money from the company. How'd you know it was me? Well, knowing the girl's name, for one thing, and your wife told me you'd gotten in about two. You told me over the phone you went straight home after the fight in the cafe. The killing took place about one. Watkins said he'd been at the girl's for five minutes. About 15 to get to her place, so that meant you all left the cafe around 12.30. It doesn't take an hour and a half to get... Hey, Bertram. Diamond. Huh? I don't think Bert can hear you. Yeah. Well, it was a pretty dull story anyway. Well, the wagon got there, and I briefed Walt on everything that had happened. They took Mrs. Calmus home and released Watkins. It was a stinking hot afternoon, and I needed something cool to bring me down to normal, so I headed for 975 Park Avenue. A tall lemonade with a mind of its own, and a curvaceous redhead with the same gimmick. Yes? Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Diamond. Afternoon, Francis. Miss Asherin? Yes, sir. She's in the study, reading. Thanks, Francis. Oh, uh, how about something cool? Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Hi. Hi. Well, you look cool enough. That's a nice get-up. You like it? It's the newest thing. Yeah, I uh, saw it in a magazine. What do you do if it shrinks? Oh, silly. No, no, I'm concerned. You might get raided. Don't you like it? Yes, ma'am. What do you think of me? Oh, you're adorable. You're beautiful and you're cute. Too. Hey, that sounds like a song. Uh-huh. Come here. No, not now sing it. It's cute. That's too hot. I'm rather cool. Well, I was only lukewarm until I spotted that play suit. Go on. A, you're adorable. Okay, but uh, then I want to play. <laughs> Get it? Play? Play suit? <laughs> that was then. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Go on. Hey, you're adorable. B, you're so beautiful. C, you're a cutie full of charm. D, you're a darling. And E, you're exciting. And F, you've got feathers on your arm. Oh, Rick. G, you look good to me. H, you so heavenly. I, you're the one I idolize. 
J, we're like Jack and Jill. K, you're so kissable. L, there's the love light in your eyes. Rick. Um, hmm? Do you want me to finish? I love you. Oh, you're sweet. Come here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one moment, sir. Uh, yes, Francis? I'm not going to be embarrassed again. Here's your lemonade. Uh, thank you, Francis. Oh, it's nothing, sir. A, you're adorable. B, you're so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Byron Kane, Lorene Tuttle, Paul Fries, and Wally Mayer. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews. So when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.